Thank you very much, Rabbi. What works? And I'd like to begin by giving uh, a conceptual framework or, or perspective uh, on tonight's topic and then to proceed from there to consider some very actual um, applications and, and uh, concrete instances um, where one has to navigate a course in terms of dealing with non-observant family members. There is in general a mitzvah, even before one focuses on family members, on, on nuclear family, <coughs> of course there, there is a mitzvah, where we're commanded to love every Jew, without, without exception. The, the, the Balatanya points out in his, uh, in his Sefer that the Gemara even applies this Pasuk uh, even when dealing with Rishayim even when dealing with someone who's liable for Mises Bezdin one who has incurred the, the death penalty at the hands of Bezdin which is no small feat the way, the way we Paskin in order for someone to incur Mises Bezdin so he has to receive Hasra to receive Hasra it means that, that he was warned before uh, before committing the, the Avera that this is an Avera which carries with it a, a, a Chi of Misa so we ask him that not only does he have to receive such a Hasra but his reaction has to be that not only am I aware of it but uh, he's, he's doing it <coughs> he's doing it uh, in, in particular because this is also in the Torah says I'm doing it with, with, uh, with, with that in mind so for a person to, to incur a chi of Misa he has to be a real lahachas he has to he has to be he has to sin egregiously and Afal Pichain the Gemara in Sanhedrin talks about applying the Echa to such a person the Balatanya I'm not sure that he quotes the Gemara but the Balatanya assumes it in, in his discussion of the so the something which is all encompassing more specifically, the Gemara also has a, a klal from the Pasuk in Pashas B'chukosai V'choshlu ish ba'achiv Ish ba'avon achiv The Torah says in Pashas B'chukosai literally that, that a person will stumble over his brother V'choshlu ish ba'achiv The Gemara darshans it's not that, you, that, that, that the Pasuk is not describing that one will stumble over his uh, brother's feet but it means Ish ba'avon achiv that a person will stumble on account of the, the sins of his brother, and this is the source for the for the famous dictum of Chazal Malamit Shekol Yisrael Raven This is where the Torah establishes the the principle of the mutual responsibility and, and interdependence. Now it's very interesting to to consider the the, the application which the Rishonim have of this klal. There is a din. That generally speaking, in order to be motzi, someone else with a mitzvah, in order to make kiddush on behalf of someone else, so one has to have the same level of obligation as the other person. So hence, a cotton can't be motzi, a, a godol, a minor can't be motzi, uh, someone who's over barabas mitzvah with kiddush, because the barabas mitzvah is obligated minatara. The cotton is only, is at best, at most, obligated midrabon and mitam chinach. Okay, because hapotim and adava can't be motzi, a now, 
Nevertheless, the Gemara Rosh Hashanah has a din of Yotzah Motzi. The din of Yotzah Motzi is that even if I've already said Kiddush, let's say Friday night, for example, even if I've already recited Kiddush and someone else comes who has not yet made Kiddush or heard Kiddush, if for whatever reason he or she doesn't uh, doesn't want to make Kiddush for himself or herself, so I can say Kiddush a second time. So the Rishonim are bothered with the question, but at this point I'm no longer obligated to say Kiddush. So the, the, it shouldn't be possible for me to be Motzi as a Rabbi for me to facilitate someone else being Yotze by saying Kiddush a second time, because at this point I'm no longer obligated. So the Rishonim answer by invoking this principle of the Gemara in Shvuas of Malamit Shekal Yisrael Arevim Zebazet. So it's fascinating. So what one sees is that Kol Yisrael Arevim Zebazet is not simply some kind of similar to, to Aves Yisrael, similar to Tochacha, some kind of uh, independent, albeit very fundamental principle. But Kol Yisrael, if I'm obligated on Aves Yisrael, that doesn't allow me to be Motzi Yu with Kiddush. In order for me to be Motzi Yu with Kiddush, I have to be obligated in the midst of Kiddush. So what you see from the, the application which the Rishonim make of this principle of Kol Yisrael, is that it's built into every mitzvah. My obligation to make Kiddush is not just that Aniyas Nafshi Hitzalti that I'm supposed to make uh, I'm supposed to make Kiddush. No, my obligation to make Kiddush is that every Jew should make Kiddush. That's my obligation. Hence, even if I've already said Kiddush, if there's one other, if, if there's another Jew anywhere who hasn't made Kiddush, so I'm still obligated in, in, in my mitzvah of Kiddush. And if and if I'm in a position to, to facilitate his or her hearing or, or, or saying Kiddush, so then I'm obligated to do so. So the is the, the, the notion of interdependence and mutual responsibility is built into every mitzvah. It's an intrinsic part of every mitzvah. So the, the imperative to be concerned with the, the welfare of others before we even come to, to family members. The, the imperative is one which is basically built in to every, to every mitzvah. Now, this universal sense of, of responsibility for one's fellow Jew, that, that this, this interdependence doesn't at, doesn't at all eclipse or blur the, the importance or significance of, of the family unit uh, according to the Torah. We know in, in Hilchos Tztoka, the, the klal is that when it comes to giving Tztoka, that, that uh, in terms of prioritizing how one allocates whatever funds one has available for giving Tztoka, so there is precedence is given to, to relatives. And, and the closer the relative, so the, 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 the greater the, the priority that that relative has. The, Rebchaim Kenevskin in his uh, Sefer Derech Emunah quotes from the Chafetz Chaim and Avos Chesed but this is true not only for, for Tzedakah but basically for any, any type of uh, Tovos any, anything which uh, that a person has an obligation to do whether it's lending money or any type of, of Chesed so this this, this hierarchy of that, that the first priority are family members and within that the closer the relative the greater the priority applies to all mitzvahs 
Benadim Lachaveru, the the Haftora Yom Kippur morning to Shachris from Sefer Yeshayahu has a, has a pasuk in it. So the the Navi Yeshayahu castigates Klal Yisrael for fasting and missing the point of the Tanis, and then the Navi goes on to say what type of Tanis Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants us to to observe. Hello, hello, Zetzom Efcharei. This is the the prototype of a fast day. Hakadosh Baruch Hu says. That, that I choose, and and the pasuk will 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 is familiar to to, to all of us from the, from Yom Kippurim. Hello, hello, Lachmecha to extend to the, the to the hungry your bread. and bring into your home the the the, the, the poor downtrodden people. Kisira when you see a person who's not clothed properly, so give him provide him with clothing. And literally from your flesh and blood, don't don't turn away. Don't be don't make yourself uh, don't ignore the need of Mibsocha of your your, your relatives. Tzitz Eliezer has an interesting comment about this. He's trying to say Pshat in something the Minchasalaza the the um the 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 the, 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 the gone from from Munkach practiced and he says that, that he thinks that the, the Minchas Elazar understood as follows Gon Mizeh Gon Mi Munkach the Mikol Shekain that Matzinu Sheamu Bazer Benogel Legashmias that the Mitzvah Mipsocha Losus Alam is referring specifically in context to physical needs, Gashmias. However, Don Mizeh Hagon Mimunkach, but the Minchas Alozer reasoned, the Makol Shekain Sheyesh Bozer Mitzvahs Mipsoch Alosusalam Benogel Ruchnias. If a person is, is supposed to have special sense of responsibility and a special sense of connection, it's not only responsibility, but a special sense of connection to one's family member, and, and that should be manifest in Dvarim Gashmiim, in terms of uh, attending to physical needs, so Kolshikain, that that's true when it comes to spiritual, ultimately, ultimately to, to, to cater to one's emotional and spiritual needs is, is, is certainly a greater service. And and of greater importance than, than mere physical needs. So there certainly is an imperative to maintain and, and, and to nurture family ties and, and the all-encompassing universal obligations of, of Avas Yisrael and Koyisrael and Bazen notwithstanding. So the Torah very much emphasizes and, 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 and attaches great importance to the, to the family unit. So with that in mind, let's perhaps consider some actual situations and, and questions that, that arise in, in terms of uh, interacting with family members who are, who are not observant. Well, one common question which comes up is, is the issue of inviting someone who's not Shama Shabbos to, to, to come for a, a Shabbos uh, or, or Yom Tev Suda given the, the prospect that they're taking you up on their invitation may entail Chil Shabbos or, or Chil Yom Tev. So this is a, a, a Dion in the, in, in the postkin, let's say, with regard to the Seder or, or, or on Shabbos, we'll see there are different, there are some different variables in the question. 
Shalom Zalman was, uh, was asked a question by the Hanhala, by the administration of, uh, of Osameach in, in, in Yerushalayim. And so he was responding, he was responding when the invitation is Kirov, uh, Kirov oriented. And, and he, said, he said as follows, that as long as the invitation is extended in such a way that the invitation doesn't, doesn't require or even encourage Chilo Shabbos, the Hainu. If the person lives within easy walking distance, the person lives five minutes away, okay, so then you're free to invite him to, to come uh, Shabbos night, Shabbos day for, for the Suda. There's no reason that that invitation insinuates any, any Chilo Shabbos. But let's say realistically that's not the case. The person lives three, four miles away. There's no realistic uh, chance that the person's going to, going to walk. So then Shalom Zalman says that if the, the invitation is extended, you know, we, we'd love to have for Shabbos, so come Friday night and, and you tell them what time Lichbenshin is, come, come by, come by Lichbenshin, and then we have plenty of room for you and you'll stay over Shabbos, and, and uh, we very much look forward to having you. So Shalom Zalman says, as long as the invitation is sincerely posed in such a fashion, even if the result of the invitation is that the person says, no, no, we'll, we'll come for the Friday night meal, but we're not going to stay over. And the result will be that they are going to drive home. If Shalom Zalman says, that's okay. As long as the invitation isn't, isn't an invitation to, to, to Chilvah Shabbos, it isn't insinuating that there should be any Chilvah Shabbos in, in response to the invitation. Again, it's not pro forma, it has to be real. We would have to have the, uh, the, the lodgings to, uh, to provide, and the invitation has to clearly be be made in that way. But as long as it's made in that way, so if Shlomo Zalman says that, that it is mutter, now, it, it's important to realize that Shalmaz Zalman's psaq um, is, is intended is a hetter in the sense that Shalmaz Zalman is not saying that, that, that it doesn't bother us that the guy's going to drive home. What Shalmaz Zalman is talking about is if there's an occasion that you need or, or want to have the person come again, whether it's because you want to be makari of them by exposing them to uh, to, to a suda shabbos, you want to be makari of them by uh, exposing them to davening and show, or or it's it's, it's a family member and, and there's some and, and there's some reason why you need to invite for this shabbos. So Shlom Zalman says that, that this is mutter. This in fact is mutter. But to sort of create the occasion and create the need where you then have to rely on, on Rav Shlomo Zalman's solution, I don't think he, he has that in mind. So, so let's say, if, um, let's say that, that one comes from a, uh, a non-observant family. And, and to make uh, a Shabbos Bar Mitzvah means that even though, again, everyone will be offered uh, lodgings, everyone will be offered a place to stay for all Shabbos, but they're not going to take it. And the result is going to be is that, uh, is that the grandparents and the uncles and the aunts and, and everyone is going to be coming and, and being at Mechal Shabbos so Shlomo Zalman isn't intending as far as I understand him he isn't intending to say that you can create the situation in which you then need to, to, to rely on his guidance and his psaac. Shlomo Zalman is saying it's a situation
situation is there. Again, the situation is there because we want to expose them to Shabbos. So we want them to come in and enjoy a Shabbos meal. We want them to be in show. We want them to, to taste a Shabbos davening. So the situation is there. The need is there. So Shalom Zalman says, here's the Psaq. This is the Din. This is, this is what's Mutter. This is what, what can, one can do. But to create the to create the need and then rely on this solution, it's not clear that Shalom Zalman has that in mind. So if one knows that, uh, let's say someone, uh, a, a, a couple comes from, uh, just uh, to, to take an, an, an illustration, a couple comes from a, uh, from both of them come from non-observant background. So the, uh, the relatives, none of them are as yet uh, observant. To, to make a Shabbos Bar Mitzvah means that again, even if the invitation is extended as Rosh Zalman uh, describes, there's just going to be a lot of fellow Shabbos. So, <laughs> Besides everything else, what kind of what kind of simcha is that? What kind of uh, what kind of bar mitzvah is that? So better better have the Shabbos component will be for the community. Have a Shabbos component. Not not that a person has to forego the Shabbos component. You have the Shabbos component, but the the, the celebration where, where people who live outside the community are going to be invited. So let that happen during the let that happen during the, the weekday. Now on, on Yontiv, there is an extra, an extra wrinkle. There's another halachic issue which has to be taken into account in terms of inviting um, non-observant uh, family members or any, anyone non-observant um, on Yontiv. And that is as follows. On Yontiv, it's, it's mutter, as we all know, Malacha Selchal Nefesh is mutter. It's mutter to cook on Yontiv. Achashi Yeochel Luchal Nefesh, the Torah says in Parshas Bo, Hu Levado Yehaselachem, that whatever you do, do for the purpose of cooking so that's uh, and the like and, and food preparation so that is permissible on Yom Tov. now the Gemara Dashin's Hu Levada Lachem that alone can be done on your behalf so the Gemara Dashin's Lachem Belolakusim but Melacha Selcha Nefesh is only mutter for a for a Jew it's not mutter for a non-Jew not mutter for a non-Jew now the Halacha has a category that, that if you have someone who's a, a Mumor Lachal Shabbat a person who who habitually desecrates Shabbos and he does so b'mezid willfully and he does so b'farhesia publicly so the Gemara has a category of mumma dino ka'akum that in certain areas in, in halacha we treat this person as as losing his privileges of being a Jew because of that uh, flagrant violation of, of Shabbos. That, that Mum Madina Ka'akum, that if he's a Machal Shabbos again, bemazed willfully, and Bifahesia publicly, so he, he forfeits some of the, the privileges of, of being a Jew. So we're not going to let him touch uh, uncooked wine, we're not going to let him serve as a Shochet, Vichulu. So the question is now when it comes to, to Yom Tiv, where we're cooking on Yom Tiv as well. So the the Mishnah Berurah says that the din of Mumar Dino Ka'akum would apply in this context of Lochem Velolakusim, and that one would not be allowed to cook on Yom Tiv for someone who has this unfortunate status of being Mumar Dino Ka'akum. Then it gets possibly even more complicated because the Gemara has the following din. The Gemara says, leave aside that the consideration of, of uh, Mumadina Ka'akum for a moment, let's talk about an actual Gentile. The Gemara says that a person can invite a Gentile over 
to his house on Shabbos, but not on Yom Tov. Why? Because the Gemara says on, Yom, on Shabbos, where you can't do malacha for yourself, we're not concerned that you're going to do malacha for the Gentile. You're not going to do anything for him that you can't do for yourself. But on Yom Tov, where you're allowed to do malacha for yourself, on Yom Tov, you're not going to be cheshvening to make the tea in such a way that it doesn't involve bishul. You're going you're gonna to very likely be doing malacha when, when you make the, the, the tea on Yom Tov. So the Gemara has a gzera that a person is not supposed to invite a, a Gentile on Yom Tov because gzera that one might do malacha on behalf of the Gentile, which is, which is awesome. So the question is, so now if, if we compound the issue that, that Lachem Kusim, if Mumadina Ka'akum applies in that context also, so does it mean that not only can one not do Malacha on, on their behalf, but one can't even invite? So the, the answer is that according to many, many Gdalayan Poskim, the whole thing is a non starter. The whole question which is, is a non starter. There is a, a, a very, very important uh, psak from the Arach uh, Laner and Rabdavid Svi Hoffman, amongst others, but many other Gdalayan as well. Well, not only uh, not only the, the, the Gedali Ashkenaz, but other parts of Europe as well. That Bizban we almost don't have, perhaps don't have at all, someone who qualifies for this uh, status of Mumadino Ka'akum. And the reason the person give is that both the willfulness as well as the, the public nature of the Chilul Shabbos doesn't really happen bizman What does that mean? When we say that if a person bemaze it is Machal Shabbos, that, that he then has this status of being Mumadina Ka'akum, it means that if he's Machal Shabbos bemaze it doesn't just mean that he knows that that uh, but that observant Jews don't put on lights on Shabbos, that they don't drive on Shabbos. No, it's not enough to know that. It's not enough to, to know that the, that the Shulchan Aruch says not to do it. He has to know that the Shulchan Aruch is something authoritative. If the person was, was brought up in, in, in such a situation, with Nebuch, no, no background, so maybe he knows that he, he heard, maybe he even heard of a Yosef Karu, and he knows there's a code of Jewish law, but he doesn't, he doesn't understand or appreciate that this is authoritative. So you can't can't classify what this person is doing as Chibble Shabbos B'mezid. You can't say that that's willful. David Sri Hoffman says, and what's more, even the Fahesya element it's not clear that we ever have that bismanazah. Because what Bifahesya represents is not just the fact that, uh, that, that a minion of Jews may observe his Chavah Shabbos, but what it represents is, is a, certain, a certain brazenness in being Mechal Shabbos. A person's willingness to be Mechal Shabbos publicly, it, it bespeaks a certain brazenness. Says of David Sri Hoffman, okay, so once upon a time, when, uh, when, when Baruch Hashem, so uh, most... Rubam Kikulam of Kal Yisrael were all Shomer Shabbos so then to be Machal Shabbos B'Fahesya was an indescribable uh, expression of chutzpah of, of brazenness Bizman Azar that, that unfortunately things are, are reversed that, that uh, we live in an Olam Hafuch where the majority of Jews are, unfortunately are, are not yet uh, Shomer Shabbos so you don't really have the Fahesya you have literally that it's in public but the brazenness which, which the Fahesya is intended to represent you don't really have. So for that reason many, many posts can say that, that we don't really have anyone who fits this bill of, of, uh, of Mumadina Ka'akam and therefore in terms of inviting on, on, on Yom Tiv, we wouldn't encounter any of, these, any of these problems. Again, all things being equal 
one would the, the wine which one would have at the table should be yain mevushal. In, in terms of uh, when necessary, so then we, we invoke this line of reasoning. When there's a, when there's a very simple alternate solution, so one should uh, one should invoke that as well. So given that a uh, that under certain circumstances uncooked wine is not supposed to be touched by a uh, by a, a non-observant Jew. So on such occasions, it certainly is the, the proper thing to do to be using yain mevushal, not to be using yain she'ena mevushal. Now it, 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 it's, it's important also that as much as, as, as the halacha and, and, and Torah values and, and stresses maintaining family relations and again, first of all, salam, that imperative as well as willy-nilly there's always an element of kiruv to maintaining family relations that the, that the non-observant relatives should enjoy a relationship with the, with the observant relatives one cannot uh, foresee what, uh, um, what what effect, what influence that can have. But there are other other factors which need to be weighed as well. For instance, we're talking about uh, inviting uh, non-observant family members, let's say, to the seder. But what happens if if one will invite one's entire immediate family? So then the majority are, are, are non-observant. And the whole, the whole tone and tenor of the Seder is going to get lost. Just again, perhaps with the, with, with the best of intentions, but the, the non-observant family members don't uh, know enough to, to appreciate what the focus should be at the Seder. And uh, instead of being an, an evening of uh, intense Avodah Hashem, the Sabbath, and the Flaws, to, to reinforce all the, the fundamentals of, of our faith, so it's gonna it's gonna turn into some kind of uh, family family reunion. So one has to it has to be done b'chachma. The fact that, that that there are solutions and 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 that one can legitimately and and in many circumstances should invite the family who who are who are not uh, yet observant. But it has to be weighed against other things. If if the result is that the, for instance, that the again that the, the seder is going to be lost, so then one has to look for other occasions to to cement and, and to maintain family relations. Similarly, when, when there are children involved, so one also has to make the cheshven. It's impossible to to to. to, to be very specific about this because it depends very much on the on the particulars of, of any given situation. But one also has to factor what the the, the, the effect is on the children. At, at the very least, certainly when children are old enough, it should be explained to them that uh, you know not through any fault of their own, but you know the way. You know that we don't do things this way because it's against the Torah. But Afal Pichain, you know, we're we're maintaining family relations and and and, uh, and 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 we love our family members. But there shouldn't be any insinuation of some kind of uh, some kind of pluralism in maintaining the, the family relationships. 
a couple of other just concrete uh, situations. But let's say a, a simcha is happening in a uh, conservative or reformed temple. So Rabbi Moshe has a truth about this in Igras Moshe. And Rabbi Moshe says that Me'ika uh, Hadin, if it's if the simcha is happening at a time when there are no services going on, so it doesn't occur to anyone that that, uh, that anyone entering the premises is doing so to participate in in, in the services. So he says, hadin, it, it's water, and even if the the chup is going to happen in the uh, in, in in the sanctuary, he says, hadin, it's certainly water. Rashi says, in terms of an adam chashuv, he says an adam chashuv perhaps is a midas chasidus. Um, would would try to avoid it because at the end of the day his his actions can be misconstrued to somehow or rather uh, conferring a legitimacy uh, upon the uh, uh, upon this. Um, upon this institution, but he says, given that it's a midas chasidus for atzarich gadol, even even an adam chashuv, even a, uh, a distinguished person, a, a, a rabbinic personality, even he um, would, using his judgment, would be lenient if there's uh, if there's need. Certainly, to go to the, the simcha of a very close family member, presumably, is something that Moshe would classify as atzarich gadol. What about um, being mechabed with, uh, again, let's say at a wedding with, with one of the Sheva brachas, uh, a relative who's, uh, who, who's not observant? So Moshe has chuvas about this as well. Um, he, he talks in particular about Elias, and Moshe quotes that there is a din, the Gemara and Gitan has, the Ramam quotes in Hilchus Yisraeli Atara, if you have a, um, a Yisrael, who's a, if you have a Jew who's a heretic, and he writes a Sefer Torah, so it has no Kedusha Sefer Torah whatsoever. The Rambam explains it has no Kedusha Sefer Torah because all the Shemos Hashem uh, to him are meaningless. When he when he writes Vreshes Bar Elokim, so the, the word Elokim doesn't doesn't mean anything. It doesn't carry any any specific uh, significance, and therefore it's not Niskadesh Bekdushas Hashem. So Moshe reasons that the same is true when saying a bracha. But in order to say a bracha, it has to be meaningful. When a person says Hashem Elokeinu Melech Olam, if he doesn't believe that, if he doesn't believe Machman uh, Olatzlan, he, he's an atheist. He, he doesn't believe if he doesn't believe in what he's saying so then the bracha is, is no bracha so Rosh says it's, it's not a requirement that the person be uh, observant um, in order to be able to say a bracha be it to get an aliyah be it to say a bracha under the chuppah but, but he, he has to believe in, in, in uh, he has to believe Hashem Elokeinu Melech Olam Yotzeh Adam to recite that bracha he has to believe it if he doesn't believe uh, that, that he doesn't believe Achman al-Islan, Baruch Hu doesn't, so then how can he, how can he say such a bracha? One of the most painful um, situations w- w- which arises is that of intermarriage, Achman al-Islan. Unlike most of the, the preceding uh, scenarios that we considered where there are very correct and, and, and valid solutions, in intermarriage is one in, in which there's very little latitude, if any. 
ultimately it needs to be understood just by, by way of having perspective on this it needs to be understood that every relationship which we have has to be in light in the shadow of one's relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's no such thing as having any relationship in life which is independent, which is absolute, which is independent of one's relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When the Torah describes that the Mishkan was in the center and everyone camped around the Mishkan, what it meant was, yes, yeah, so this was my neighbor, but at the center of, of, of all human relationships has to be HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Has to be HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Nothing can ever, uh, no, no, no relationship is, is independent of that. It also needs to be understood that even though we withhold judgment of people, but we are called to judge actions. Objectively, intermarriage represents the destruction of, of the Jewish people. The Rambam writes in Hilchos Yisrui Bia that that the, that the sin of intermarriage don't, don't treat it lightly even though there's no Mises Bezdin Bezdin is not empowered to give uh, capital punishment for intermarriage because the Rambam says that the, that the devastating consequences of, of intermarriage are unparalleled and because of that as an Aveira, it's something singular. The Rav Zuchan consistently, without exception, did not allow, not only to, to attend the, the intermarriage, even if it's of a sibling. And sometimes you have cases of Rahman al-Islan, children grow up in a non-observant family, two sisters, two brothers, they're very close growing up. One of them finds uh, one of them finds finds MS, and the other one unfortunately has not yet found it, and uh, and intermarries. But w- without exception, there's no there's no uh, no one's judging the other person. But objectively, objectively, what intermarriage represents is Rahman al the destruction of the Jewish people. And even if I mean, it's certainly the case when when a when a Jewish man marries a Gentile woman, so the children right away, first generation, are not going to be Jewish. It's true that, that when it's uh, reversed that, that when uh, a Jewish uh, woman marries a Gentile man so the children will be, will be Jewish but not for very long not for very long all, uh, all studies of uh, reformed Jews from two or three generations ago so maybe the, the, the first generation is still Jewish but they ultimately are, are totally lost and because of that the, the Rav was very very adamant once the, 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 there was a case where um, there was a dispute between a uh, someone who's getting married, so the father of the chassan and the grandfather of the chassan, both of whom were very close with the rav, ha- had a dispute. The the father of the chassan had a uh, a nephew. The, the chassan had a cousin who, who was intermarried. So the grandfather of the, the chassan and the intermarried one wanted that the that the other anakel who was intermarried should be invited to the wedding. Mr. and Mrs. He and his uh, he and his gentile uh, and, and, and gentile wife, and uh, the father of the chassan said, "How can we invite uh, an intermarried couple?" 
even even if it's family outstanding. So they, they, they brought their disagreement to the Rav and the Rav said right away that of course you cannot invite. To invite an intermarried couple means to acknowledge intermarriage. To invite Mr. and Mrs. means that one is acquiescing in the sense of acknowledging intermarriage regardless of what liability the Anakadosh Baruch Hu decides that the, the intermarried partner may have but objectively, objectively it represents the, the destruction of the Jewish people. It doesn't make any difference whether if, if a person is, is is walking around with an explosive device which is going to which is going to wreak havoc, it doesn't make a difference what the, the, the liability the person has is just objectively it, it represents again the, the destruction of the Jewish people and if one not only can one not can one not attend an, an intermarriage, but one can't acknowledge it in any way, even to the point of uh, inviting such a couple, thereby acknowledging their uh, their union. Um, the, the same is again not only to a simcha, but even even socially, any type of recognition of the union of an intermarriage is, is not allowed. If one uh, professionally is a, is, a, is a therapist, is a marriage counselor, and an intermarried couple w- would come for for marriage counseling, so one would have to turn them away because one's uh, our our religious convictions is that the marriage shouldn't be saved, that that it isn't something where where, where the uh, where the therapist should be helping them salvage their, uh, their marriage. Okay, there are many other applications. Uh, Kodesh Baruch Hu should, uh, should help us, should give us uh, the guidance to always navigate to the right path.